Good evening and welcome to tonight's show. What a show we got. What a show we got. We got things to talk about. You know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about Sublime. That's right. Sublime is back in a big, bad way. You know, I guess it's really true that you really can say never say never. I never thought I would see this again. We, we've already discussed it previously when 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 they played a live show for the HR benefit. So I'm not going to retread here. But we haven't, up to this point, we haven't really uh, been made aware of what exactly the plans are for Jacob Noel, Budga, and Eric Wilson playing under the moniker, the banner of Sublime. Uh, up at least until this point when a brand new fresh Rolling Stone interview uh, was just posted just today uh, telling us about their future intentions. So I think it's about time we discussed what the future of this band is going to be. And to help us do that is Rolling Stone itself. Thanks to the special incognito tab, we'll be able to open this sucker up, get past that pesky paywall. I don't know what it is about the paywall that bothers me so much, but it does. Uh, you know, for 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 news, I don't know. It just it bothers me. Um, Bradley Noel's son reveals why he is reviving Sublime at Coach at Coachella and beyond. And notice how it's interesting that it's, you know, it's not, it's not Eric Wilson and Bud God that they're saying, you know, is reviving the name sublime. It's that it's Jacob Noel reviving the name sublime. That's interesting. And that of course has to do with, you know, I guess some of the legal stuff behind it. Uh, in their first interviews, Jacob Noel, an original drummer, Bud Gah, explained why they're bringing Sublime on stage again. There you go. I mean, it's not just Bradley Noel's son. That's just the, the title there. I'm reading this blind, by the way. I have not pre-read it. Um, explain why they're bringing the Sublime name on stage again and how they're planning on recording lost Bradley Noel compositions. That's right. They are going to resurrect, record lost songs written by brad now it kind of has me wondering like what i mean what what are these songs because typically a lot of the stuff that that brad and those guys would write was you know taken there, there's a lot of let's just say that there's a lot of source material that that gets incorporated into that stuff so i'm kind of curious this is by brian hyatt by the way and it was published today february 15th 2024 there they are doing uh the rehearsal thing Addiction is a family disease, says Jacob Noel, the 28-year-old son of the late sublime frontman Bradley Noel, also the age that Brad was when he passed away. Um, rock and roll is a family disease, man. I seek to keep it in the family. Yeah, they say that a lot. Addiction is a family disease, and it's true. It's definitely true. Jacob bears an eerie sonic and physical resemblance to his dad, who was also 28 when he died, when he died in 1996 of a you-know-what, cutting his band's career short on the brink of superstardom. This April at Coachella, Jacob will make his official debut as the new lead singer and guitarist of Sublime, alongside his dad's original bandmates, drummer Bud Gah and Eric Wilson, bass player. 
It seemed like it was time for me to step into that role, Jacob says, in his first interview about the band's revival. So they are they're they are without a doubt trying to sell this as the continuity, the continued continuity of that original band, which is maybe something I don't quite agree with, but will embrace nonetheless, because I am just ecstatic. I, I've I've literally talked about it so many times in live live shows. So I'm not going to like, I really don't want to be redundant on it. So we, we don't have to sit and, and rehash over and over and over again. Uh, he says, I look at it like a custodial, a custodial role. He continues. I'm not sublime. My uncles, Bud and Eric are sublime. My dad never got to step on that stage, man. My dad never got to sing all those songs in front of an audience that big at Coachella of people who adore him and his sound and his message. If you were a father, what would you want? And I know what I would want to have happen in that situation. So I have to do what I have to do. You know, the more he talks about it, man, the more he puts it like that, like I, I'm just, I'm really, I'm so on board with this. I really am. I, I really do. I, I don't have any reservations or qualms about it. I really don't. He, he, he's coming at it from a place of humility. He understands that he is a custodian. He, under, you know, something that Rome didn't seem to quite grasp, grasp the idea that he was literally filling a slot, playing this music live. You know what I mean? Like he just, he, he seemed to have kind of some delusions of grandeur. Whereas Jake seems to just sort of acknowledge he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm not my dad. And this is a custodial role. I'm the only one who can kind of like fit this slot in today's day and age because his dad's not around. Like he's literally the only guy. I think that, I think that's a real humble thing to kind of say. And the idea that he wants to, um, you know, bring it, bring it in the right kind of way, in the right kind of appropriate way, in a way that he's able to, in a capacity that he is able to fill makes sense. The band's songs have had a robust afterlife, most recently in the form of Sublime with Rome, a band that featured Wilson and frontman Rome Ramirez. Ga briefly played with them circa 2011. Let's, let's clarify that. Bud and, and Eric decided to reform as sublime wrongfully. So, but whatever they did, what they did, they decided to reform as sublime and had Rome Ramirez take over as in this front man spot. And then bud decided to leave his own band. So it's not like he played with them for a time, you know, um, he was like, he was the third leg of that band and then removed himself for a variety of reasons. Um, God briefly played with them circa 2011, but bowed out feeling reluctant to tour extensively at that. Yeah. Part, maybe a little bit. I was raising a family, God says, and really needed to be there for my family. But that band, which recorded new music and toured extensively is coming to an end this year, though, confusingly enough, it still has some dates booked. And I'm wondering, I'm so wondering, is Eric even going to show up? Like, at that point, why don't, are they going to get Tony from uh, No Doubt, who's also playing Coachella, by the way? No Doubt, Sublime and No Doubt playing Coachella in 2024. That's pretty, pretty substantial, pretty awesome. Um, I don't think he's going to do. The, I don't think he's going to do the dates. I also think that because 
Eric Wilson is involved that maybe that's why Bud is so political or the, the, the article is so political probably by Bud and Eric's design because Eric very much is involved with sublime. I mean, sublime with Rome exists because of Eric, you know, or continued on because of Eric, I should say it, it, it was formed. It was formed in a shared mutual interest between Bud and Eric, but then Bud, Bud, you know, jumped off and Eric is the one who kept that going. So maybe that's why he's saying, yeah, I was raising a family. I didn't want to tour extensively. I'm sure that was true. I'm sure that was true, but there was a lot more bad blood to it than just that, as we all know. Um, we're not going to be playing Sublime with Rome songs, says Jacob. I would imagine not, who admires Ramirez's talent, but always had mixed feelings at best about the band's existence. I mean, rightfully so, right? Um, and, you know, if Rome is smart, and, and, you know, maybe I was a little hard on Rome. I did a whole thing on Rome you know the his statement i mean he was he was he was fired dude he was straight up fired man he was fired from the bit he was it was this thing coming to an end right so it's kind of like maybe i was a little harsh in that i felt that he should have been really grateful because he owes his entire career to both eric and bud and to not at least thank them in his in exiting you know i don't know but i i, I could also i guess i could appreciate being pretty salty that suddenly you know his entire livelihood is, is challenged. Whereas yes, he was doing his own solo stuff, but now he has to solely rely on it. He doesn't have, he, he doesn't have the sublime name to rely on anymore. But if, if all of that to say that if Rome is smart, he will take all those sublime with Rome songs and continue to play them as Rome. And just, there you go. That he can eat off that for the rest of his fucking life. If he plays his cards, right. Um, there's an emotional aspect. This is Jacob talking about his mixed feelings about Sublime with Rome and Rome Ramirez. There's an emotional aspect that I want to make known to people I had to deal with growing up. I remember being 14 and chilling in my friend's basement and we're all listening to music and smoking weed. My friend put on a Sublime song and I was like, ha ha. I thought he was kind of messing with me. And I look over and it's Rome singing it. And it was weird. It hit me like a gunshot. It didn't feel right. Yeah, I mean, like that, that's gotta be, that has got to be a really, really weird feeling. You know, this is my dad's band. These are my dad's songs. Here's a guy calling himself the singer of Sublime going out there and, and playing my dad's songs. You know, the new Sublime began in December at a benefit for Bad Brains HR, who has been battling health issues. They didn't, it wasn't officially billed as Sublime. It was just kind of like, these guys coming together the first time jamming says God, ju I just closing my eyes. It was bringing me back to the first early days in Brad's dad's garage. It fit together really nice. The show was sloppier than Jacob hopes their real gigs will be, but they all saw the potential for something bigger. And to an extent, I mean, isn't that a little bit what sublime it is, was, they were always sloppy, man. There's always a sloppy grace to them. And so it's kind of apropos that it was uh, Coachella was, will bleh, sorry, uh, Coachella will just be the beginning. They expect to play other festivals this year and continue on with a modest number of shows each year for the foreseeable future. I fucking love that. They're not going to saturate the market. They're going to play shows. They're not going to, 
go out. It's like, it's not like, Hey, we got to go out and tour 200 dates out of the year. He's got Jacob's, he's got Jacob's castle going on. I mean, they all got their, their lives going on. You know, Bud still has kids that are, that are, you know, teenagers at this point. Right. He's got a young, his family is still, you know, he's still got a family. Um, that totally makes sense. Like, Hey, we're, we're going to do the sublime thing, but it's not going to take over our lives. We're just going to kind of, you know, uh, have a modest number of shows. I love that idea for the foreseeable future. It's like, Hey, we're not putting an expiration date on it. We're just for the foreseeable future, super relaxed. I would never have expected this guy ads. I'm still waking up and going, is it real? Is this just a dream? Um, there are no plans to write new songs for sublime Jacob, previously the singer and bassist in the band. He's not a bait. Well, well, I guess whatever, uh, previously the singer and bassist in the band law saves his own inventive songwriting for Jacob's castle, an eclectic solo project with a debut album, uh, coming out in April on epitaph records. Instead, the band plans to find ways to release new music that draws from a giant treasure trove of unreleased Bradley Noel compositions that their former sound engineer held on to for all these years. So that's the Miguel. A, sh a shame they can't say, hey, Miguel, it's fucking Miguel. You don't have to say the, 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 it's, a, I feel like that's Bud always trying to fucking minimize. I don't know if it's Bud, but, it, you know, just I, I watched that Sublime documentary and he's like, I felt like they just really minimized Miguel, you know, not Jacob, I'm not saying Jacob does that. I just feel like he's not given, I feel like he's not given a large enough credit. And the fact that, that, that he has held on to the archive for as long as that he have Miguel has. And I feel like that's the way to move forward because ultimately Bradley Noel is sublime. And the only way you're going to do anything like recording wise is if it involves Bradley Noel and that involves having his son there and having his, you know, a treasure trove of unreleased compositions makes such sense. This is so tasteful and appropriate. The only thing I hope and wish, I hope and wish that Miguel, I'm sure he, I'm sure he has to be. I hope that Miguel is amply involved in the project. I really do. I hope he's involved in as the engineer and producer and whatever else. Um, he says, there's a, uh, Bud Goss says, there's a plethora of stuff, says Ga. Anytime we had a tape machine, it was constantly recording. Jacob has no memories of his father, and his path hasn't been easy. His own drug problem started when he was just 12 years old. I've been at the depths of my addiction, says Jacob, who's been sober for the last seven years. I've been on the bathroom floor, throwing up blood and convulsing. The fact that me and my dad have that in common, it's a pretty trippy story. I think it allows me to connect with the music on another level. Jacob describes a chaotic white trash, quote unquote, upbringing that left him feeling alienated from the hedonistic SoCal lifestyle his dad exemplified. For years, too, listening to his dad's music was too emotional to bear. But he found his way to the sublime sound and ethos after realizing that he liked all the same music they did. Punk rock, reggae, artists like Barrington Levy, 90s hip hop. You know, it's funny too, man. You know, it's like super funny about all this. It's like, even when he was doing law, even like even when he was doing his own music, 
whether he was trying to go when he was trying to go in a completely different direction, he still sounded like sublime, sublime adjacent. He was still writing and quite clearly the influence is so thoroughly ingrained in his blood that, you know, you, you can't, you, you can't, it can't be removed. You can't deny it. You cannot deny it. You know what else you cannot deny stickers. And you know what kind of stickers we use here on the Promise Channel? Riot stickers. Let me tell you all about Riot stickers, and then we will be back with more uh, with more Sublime talking about the future of Sublime. Ooh, uh, ooh, uh, we've got a new sticker deal at Riot Stickers. That's right, folks. We are starting a brand new promotion here at RiotStickers.com, and it is for die cut stickers. <gasps> What exactly is die cut? What does it mean? It's time for Sticker Science 101. Basically, you got your regular stickers, right? But we introduce a new element with the die cut sticker. Basically, what you do with a computer-guided scalpel. That's right, computer-guided scalpels. Isn't that a great band name, computer-guided scalpel? I love it. You can cut the exact shape of whatever your design is. So whatever you got going on, whatever its borders are, there's no borders, there's no limitations. You take your computer-guided scalpel and you just cut around the edge and you get, voila, a die-cut sticker. So in addition to the UV coating that protects from the sun, in addition to being printed on vinyl, which makes them weatherproof and waterproof, you can now have the exact shape that you want. Well, you always could, but you couldn't for a price like this. For $69, you can get 200 die-cut stickers. There are some people out there who are die-cut fanatics. They need die-cut stickers in their lives. You are not going to find a better deal than this. Now, there's only one place you're going to find this incredible die-cut sticker deal for $69. 200 stickers for $69. And that's if you go to the link down in the description. You go to riotstickers.com backslash from us. That's riotstickers.com backslash from us. What, Sharpie Riot? Have you lost your mind? Have you lost your mind? These prices are insane. These prices are crazy Eddie level prices. If you know crazy Eddie, then you might be old. You might be older than me. You're probably way older than me. You click on the link, you do the thing, and you get your die cut stickers. Do not hesitate to get this deal, okay? And without further ado, future Jeff, roll the 60-second Riot sticker commercial. Go, do it. And that's a promise. Okay, let's let's keep let's keep taking a look here. So, how did um how did this all come to pass? What was the turning point? Because you know, in the past, Jacob 
had, you know, kind of really sort of gone in the opposite direction. He was exploring, he was trying to move away from anything that sort of resembled Sublime. I don't think actively, but just was not, you know, I don't know. It seemed like there was, there was an effort to keep away. And I respected that too, man. I was all about that. I was like, whatever he was doing felt really original to me. And there's nothing worse than like when someone is just trying to dial in a desperation. We talked about Rome's desperation in writing a song called All I Need when there's a sublime song called All You Need. I mean, just it's a terrible song, man. I'm sorry. It's not a good. Wow. I, I, I'm sorry. I did not mean to disparage someone else's art in that kind of way. Publicly, I try to keep away from doing that. It happened. It came out of my mouth. Did not mean to do that. Um, not my cup of tea. Let's just leave it at that. Jacob made the final decision to embrace his dad's legacy after a tour date with Jacob's castle in Pantaluma, Pe Petaluma or Pet, yeah, Petaluma, California last year. That's where, that's where Brad died. Not, for, not for the first time he made a sacred pilgrimage, not for the first time he made a sacred pilgrimage to the Phoenix theater there where his father played his final gig just before his death. While he was there, he happened upon a recovery meeting filled with punk rock locals. I had to stand up, Jacob recalls, and be like, yo, this is who I am, and my dad died from an OD the last night he played here. And here you guys are, 28 years later, having a meeting, all of these cool people who probably love the style of music that my dad did. And in that moment, he adds... I decided that this is what I was supposed to be doing. So it's like at the age of 28, he came to it on his own terms. I think that's pretty tremendous, man. Um, he came to it on his own terms in his own way. Meanwhile, a sublime biopic is in the works with Ozark creator and former Rolling Stone writer, Chris Mundy working on the screenplay. I just don't want the movie to be cringy, says Jacob, who definitely has no interest in playing his dad on screen. I think that would be really, really weird. I think there's a kissing scene with my mom's character, he adds. So that would be a little too Oedipal. Oedipal like Oedipus Rex, like the dude who the dude who killed his father and married his mother. Pretty crazy stuff. Um, you know, that's that's what happens. That's what happens in Greek tragedies. I mean the, the story of Bradley Noel is its own Greek tragedy. I'm sure Jacob would not uh, argue with that, um, that notion. But I really think it's amazing how, like, you know, we've talked about before the idea that maybe you, you grow, you know, this guy, he grew up probably his whole life being saying, hey, when you're old enough, you're going to play your dad's songs. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to pause for a second. Mushroom Leg said, hey, Jeff, saying hello, watching The Greasy Strangler, one of my favorite films. I was strangled by The Greasy Strangler. There's a picture of it to prove it. Uh, watching The Greasy Strangler with the sound off in this. Can I tell you why that's so great? I Mushroom Leg, I want you to know something. When, the, when things really started to lock down in 2020, the year 2020, if you know what I'm referring to, the thing that you can't say on YouTube. I don't know. Can you say it now? Maybe you can say it. When things started to really... Um, uh, when we were all locked down, I started doing this weird thing. I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to watch two movies at the same time that have probably never been watched before at the same time. So like I was watching like 
Reanimator and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome at the same time. I also watched The Greasy Strangler and Grease 2 at the same exact time on two different screens. I think I had the sound off for Greasy Strangler and I was listening to the soundtrack of Grease 2. And uh, yeah, it was a really bizarre sort of juxtaposition. And uh, so I just, I, I really appreciate that you took the time to uh, mention that, to say that. That is, that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see what they do, especially with a band like Sublime, especially with the idea of like, of taking things and building on top of them and, and rearranging and remixing. Imagine, you know, it, it only makes sense that stuff that Bradley Noel did that's incomplete or unrecorded or just sitting and, and collecting dust on a hard drive for, for Miguel to dust it off and to have the band come in and for them to sort of rework everything uh, and give new life to material that, you know, um, that there's clearly a fervor to hear now. I mean, people want to hear this stuff. I wanted to hear this stuff. There's a great interview with Miguel talking about how he was talking with the guys from Napster who are big sublime fans. And, you know, th this conversation about, you know, hosting the entire, the entire archive, digitizing it and hosting it somewhere and creating sort of a subscription service so that people can access the, this incredibly rich archive of material that only like the diehard fans like can't get enough of and that there's just hours and hours of this stuff and it was like it was before the spotify model came out and you know that's what miguel was saying and that they just nobody could see it nobody could envision it the way that it would work now now it would work in an incredible way um in regards to this biopic like you know i don't man I'll be honest. I don't really, I don't really want a biopic. I don't, I, I don't think it's going to be, I mean, I, I'm not really, I'm not really too stoked about it. I, what I would want is, you know, like I said, I watched that sublime documentary from 2019 that got shelved. I want a sublime documentary or a sublime mini series that really, really tackles the history you know, like really looks at that band and really just runs the gambit of interviewing everybody and just sort of like a four-part music series or a three-part series on Netflix. That would be so fantastic. I don't need a biopic. No one's ever going to look like Bradley Noel, man. It's going to be, it is going to be cringe. He's right. It's going to be kind of cringe. And, uh, you know, just the notion of like trying to go for the biopic, don't give us a biopic, give us a, a real proper documentary that really tells the story. The biggest problem with the sublime documentary from 2019, uh, there were a lot of problems, but the biggest one of all was that it ends right after Bradley passes away and it does not detail. You needed a half hour more to really detail the what happened the aftermath of everything because that's the that's what gives the story even more impact that's what turns the story into a greek tragedy the idea that this guy never got to see the incredible success that he was right you know not that nobody was doubting him saying that you're not good and you shouldn't be doing this but the idea 
that he, he believed so thoroughly believed in his music and what he was doing and that the whole world would too and he would not live to see it i mean there's not there's no greater crime and it was a crime that he had per perpetrated on himself you know he did that to himself unfortunately and that's pa also part of the uh disease of addiction that's part of what happens you know that was you know much like going back to the idea of oedipus it was a he he sort of was propagating a self-fulfilling prophecy that's what it was he was writing songs like pool shark and then you know you know true to life fulfilling it and i think that people have sort of deified him in this romantic kind of way as this tortured artist and you know the reality is he liked to he wanted to live the life that he was writing about and that was not the life that he had come from um and it's just the whole thing is sad but you know the idea that he left a son and that that son is incredibly talented and wants to honor his dad in the right kind of way in a tasteful way but all of them do and getting eric on board for it too it just fucking makes sense man it just makes sense in so many ways so i'm really stoked about it what do you all think about this let me know that's all i got tonight you know real real quick Real quick, real fast. We'll, we'll see. We'll, the future's looking bright. It's so bright that I got to wear shades in a dark basement at night in the middle of winter. How about that? So without further ado, peace, hair grease, and we'll see you next time.